This is Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a special edition of City Ringside. My name is David Penzer, and we are glad that you are here for this thing we call a podcast. It is, this is sort of as close to live as we'll ever be. It is Monday, April 9th, 7.17 p.m. Eastern Time, and we are going to do our first and hopefully annual WrestleMania week wrap-up. So, of course, uh, WrestleMania was last night. Uh, we're waiting for Raw to go live as we speak. Uh, Brock Lesnar has apparently signed at least a short-term contract uh, extension with WWE. And uh, so that's the news coming out so far. And we're uh, going to bring on our associate producer, Mike Freeland. Uh, Mike, been a while. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. It has been a while, but it's good to hear your voice, David. And I uh, got so much to talk about, so much catching up we can, uh, we can do on this episode. Yeah, I like literally didn't leave my house the entire weekend. I slept in a couple of days and, and stayed, <laughs> stayed up late a couple of nights and uh, watched about enough uh, as much wrestling as I've watched in a 72-hour period since uh, probably WCW ended. But uh, that's a whole different story. So... Uh, before we get into the big show, so to speak, uh, just wanted to give a few of my thoughts on the Hall of Fame. Friday night was the Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I think, uh, par- I think uh, uh, if they hadn't cut a couple of people off, it'd still be going on. I think Goldberg would finally be wrapping up his speech. But it, it, w- it, w- it went, went a little long, and um, so I was very happy that I was watching it at home and not live as much as, as as much of a blast as i had uh the last two years uh fit finley and his family have have taken me as their guest to sit in the wwe uh talent section the last two years for the hall of fame and it's been a wonderful experience but it's a long long day uh just a little insight they uh wwe has a reception at their hotel about five o'clock uh in the afternoon they have food and uh open bar and drinks and desserts and uh, everybody gets on buses and goes to the uh, to the arena where it's at. And then uh, it's usually about an hour, an hour and 15 minute wait uh, behind uh, the curtain until they start bringing people out. You saw the red carpet. You know, they bring the, the, the names out. But then you could see the undercard guys and the NXT guys and such and the legends trickling in. And uh, then uh, I think it went for about four and a half hours. Uh, figured it ended around twelve thirty, and so then you get back on buses and you go back to the hotel and hope that the bar is still open. And so uh, this would have probably been if I'd have been there this time between five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, one at least an eight or nine hour experience. Which, uh, as much as I would have loved to have been there live. Uh, for some of those speeches, it's it's a long time. It's a long time, and if you saw uh, the show, it thinned out. Uh, a lot of the talent uh, left towards the end. They had a lot going on, obviously, the next day and, and, and especially yesterday. So, um, you know, they tried to shorten it a while ago, and it's really suck. It made the speeches suck 
and everybody, you know, you know, had backlash over such short speeches. So then Vince just said, let him go. But now it's starting to, to be kind of long again. My wife was watching and she hardly ever watches wrestling. She's like, maybe they should just do like three or four uh, people uh, inclusions if they're going to go that long, which isn't yeah. that bad idea. But then if you do three or four and they all go 10 minutes like Jimmy Hart does, did, then um, then then you got a two hour show. So it's always going to be tough to find that hap- happy medium. Uh, like the Dudleys going in first, uh, there was a the little shooting there, in my opinion, between uh, Devon and Bubba Ray. Bubba Ray usually uh, in that tag team has run the show, and uh, Devon was very quick to point out that uh, he now works for WWE, and Devon doesn't, and and uh, Bubba doesn't. So uh, he was going to do what he wanted to do and not let Bubba talk the whole time like Bubba usually does. And it looked like uh, at that point, uh, Bubba tried to get in a little shoot comment about, uh, well, he, uh, he gets texts from the guys when he's, uh, in charge of their matches and they're all laughing inside and it, it got a little bit off course, uh, for about five minutes there. And, uh, I could be wrong, uh, but I think that that was actually a little shooting going on. Uh, finally, uh, Devon, even Bubba was saying it took your, our last appearance together for you to get a personality. So uh, it's always been an interesting, uh, interesting uh, team. Whereas uh, Bubba says most of the the the, the promo, and Devon just says, "Oh, my brother, testify." Uh, Devon is uh, much more liked behind the scenes than Bubba is. They they even made note of that. Uh, I love I, I love Bubba and Devon, but uh, you know Bubba's a New York guy who can scratch people the wrong way and. Devon's just a quiet, fun guy. So it was interesting to see that dichotomy uh, come out in their their Hall of Fame speech. Hillbilly Jim, wonderful guy, long deserved uh, to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he was very grateful to be in there, and uh, but uh, the speech uh, did go a little bit long. And um, uh, but we get the opportunity part and all of that. I can tell you, knowing Hillbilly like I do, all of that was from the heart. Uh, but it, like I said, it went a little long. Uh, Jeff Jarrett, great to see Jeff go in the Hall of Fame. Uh, it was heartfelt. Uh, I was wondering if he'd be able to make it through without uh, getting emotional. He was getting emotional before he ever left Nashville. If you follow the WWE diary around that they had him um, followed the last few days. I love that they came out and sang with my baby tonight. Uh, it was, uh, you know, the funny thing is Jeff didn't say, they, the one thing that they seem to forget, and you can chime in here, Mike, is, Jeff never sang that song. That that whole gimmick was, and they made a very quick reference to it. He was the Millie to my Vanilli. Uh, the whole gimmick, if for those who forget, was that Jeff claimed to sing the song and and lip sync the song, but Jeff couldn't sing to save his life. It was a roadie that was a great singer and still is. And it turned out, of course, at the end that he really did sing the song and uh, and and the roadie did, and that uh, Jeff, you know. Then he turned babyface against Jeff, you know, for holding him down. Uh, but they seem to forget that, and they keep wanting Jeff to sing. He can't sing, so <laughs> they, you know, it would have been. I think it would have been cool if uh, if they would have had a uh, uh, Brian James um, sing, you know, the song and just let Jeff kind of walk around and and sing back up or something like that. But it was a fun moment, sort of akin to uh, the Freebirds singing "Bad Street USA." Uh, 
a couple of years ago, and it's one of those things that you never know how it's going to come off, but it's fun. And uh, for those guys, it's just an opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, Brian James, a class act, uh, he was very instrumental in, in helping Jeff this past year, and um, it was just a, a nice all-around scene. Uh, and by the way, that poem that Jeff Jarrett uh, quoted from the end uh, has been up in my, I'm looking at it right now. It's been up in my office for 20 years. It's called Don't Quit, and uh, it's a hell of a poem. And uh, finally, uh, Bill Goldberg. It, what I got out of Bill Goldberg, it finally seems like Bill has found peace with his career and his place in the wrestling business, and it took a long time, folks. He was never really comfortable even in WCW, he gets too much too fast. People pulling him in 42 different ways. Then he went to WCW, WWE. The first run was miserable for all involved. And, um, and you know, coming back, he did that mostly for his son and I'm sure a pretty nice payday. And uh, But it seems like he's finally uh, at peace with his career. And good for Bill because uh, Bill's a good guy. And... Uh, so that's my little short, quick Hall of Fame uh, uh, commentary. Anything you want to add, Mike Freeland? Yeah, yeah, I I definitely liked the, uh, the the Jeff Jarrett one. I loved it when he came out with the uh, with the hat on there, and he started to, to spell his name like he did in the '90s. And then, obviously, like you said before, you know, Road Dog kind of cut him off and said, "Hey, what are you what are you doing here? It's not 1995. Get over and use a microphone." I I think they have a great interplay between the two of them. And um, I don't know, I think it kind of lightened the mood up a little bit from being as emotional as it was. I think that um, Road Dog was doing his best to try to lift the mood up a little bit. But I'm with you with the song. Um, I have I've been a big, big fan of I've collected the WWE CDs over the years. And you're right. Jeff doesn't sing that song. Um, but I just thought it was kind of cool the way they continue to bring that back. Um, I know another podcast has made that song kind of relevant again, which is cool. But um, yeah, with everything that's going on with Jeff and we, we as fans, um, not so much on the inside as you, you know, we, we know he's had some struggles and whatnot, but it, it, it seems really good that he's doing well and that he's in a good place right now. So, and he was, he was choked up. I mean, he was very genuinely thankful for that. So it was neat to see that. It was nice to see the period at the end of the sentence because I know that uh, when WCW closed, he really wasn't on the best of terms, if if I'm correct with that, with Vince McMahon. Correct? Oh, no, he got fired on national television on yes. the last night show. And that there was a reason for that. No, he he was not on good terms. And, um, uh, you know, time heals everything, especially in this business. And uh, I think a lot of uh, uh, that Brian James, uh, by the way, their families are very close. They're very close friends. So uh, that's why you saw the genuine uh, love between those two guys. And, uh, and that, that's not a work. That's uh that's a hundred percent shoot. But, um, yeah, it was funny that I was, they were doing the video diaries and they showed, uh, Jeff coming into the, uh, to the hotel. They showed, you know, him coming to the airport and people taking pictures with him and, uh, his kids were there and, and then they, they showed him, uh, checking into the hotel and the guy who checked him in was like, uh, uh, last name. They said, uh, Jarrett's his first name. Jeff said, could you spell that? And I didn't know if that was, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know. I couldn't tell if that was a setup or not because he looked at the camera like, 
Is this a setup or did, like does somebody get in? This is this is just a guy checking him in the hotel. This isn't even a WWE right. employee. And so, you know, Jeff without missing a beat, he goes, Yes, sir, it's J D double F, J A double R E double T double J, Jeff Jarrett. So I got to talk to Jeff to see if that was planned or if that was just some, you know, because that's how they usually do it in the, when you check into a hotel. So, right. uh, so anyway, so that was fun to see. And, um, uh, yeah, that song is, uh, I still think that song, but when I talked to Jeff about it when he was on a, a few weeks ago, I, I still think that song could go, uh, it has gone viral, but I'd like to see a run on uh, country radio. I think it's a, a catchy song, but just don't have Jeff, Jeff go perform it. Let, uh, let Brian perform it because he's a singer of the bunch. So um, that was the Hall of Fame, a little bit long, but uh, fun to watch as always. And um, felt kind of bad for the guys at the end because so much of the talent had left. But uh, kudos to the guys who stuck around. Watched a little bit of uh, TakeOver. Uh, did catch the uh, ladder match and uh, wanted to see uh, EC3 and how he did there and uh, I had never seen uh, Lars Sullivan before, and uh, I can't decide whether I love the guy or I, I don't like the guy, but there's something about him. He's like this huge kind of awkward but intense guy, and uh, I wonder if they got the name by compare, by by combining Lars Anderson and Kevin Sullivan. Uh, Jerry P. Tuck is saying yes, so that that is affirmative, Jerry. So... Uh, so that's a combination of the Andersons and the Sullivans. So uh, uh, I don't know. Jury's still out on him. I'd like to see a little bit of more, a little bit more about him. The Velvet, a little more of him. Excuse me. That's easy for you to say. Uh, I thought the Velveteen Dream continued to shine, and I yes. think he's a star in the making. And um, I've just got to say, as far as uh, as NXT goes, as far as Takeover goes, Ricochet will be a star in this business. Uh, there is not a chance in life that unless he gets hurt, knock on wood or messes up, uh, you know, uh, but he's a good kid. Uh, the guy is just such a natural and, uh, uh, just, uh, you know, the way the business is now with guys, you know, like AJ and Nakamura and Bobby Roode and, and, you know, work rate oversize. Uh, there's, there's, I'm, I'm just looking forward to continuing to watch his progression in NXT. And I would say by next year at this time, he'll probably uh, be heading to the main roster if I was a betting man, but uh, good, good ladder match. Uh, really, really a big fan of Ricochet though. Yeah, I, I was, as far as the ladder match itself goes, it's, it's funny that you were talking about Lars because my wife came in the room and, and she saw him and she said, wait a minute. And they had a close up shot of him and, and she was like, he looks like a mixture of that guy from Goonies and uh, one of the one of the creatures from the hills have eyes. And I was like, you know what? It, and I'm not trying to put the guy down, but he has a very unique appearance, if you will. And I think that definitely is going to work for him, but he looks like a beast. I mean, he really does. And I don't think it's going to be long before he gets called up to the main roster. Um, what are your thoughts of Killian Dane? You know, I'm just going to be honest. I said the same thing on the war games. When we talked about the war games, uh, I, I'm just, I'm not a big fan. I, nothing personal. I'm sure he's a super nice guy. I wish him the best. I hope he proves me wrong. I just, I don't I don't see it, quite frankly. There's so many talented people there, and I'm not saying he's not, but uh, I, I, I just, 
I'm sorry for all the Killian Dane fans and especially the Killian Dane. Uh, please don't show up at my house. It's nothing personal. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I don't see it. I didn't see it in the war games. I don't, didn't see it. I, uh, you know, the talented big guy, but I don't know that he has the look. I don't know that he has, I don't know. To me, he, he, he could go up and be a, uh, uh, who are the, what were those two guys? They were in the Andre battle Royal this year. They had, uh, they're big over and, NXT painted faces and stuff, and they went up to WWE and basically uh, is a real big guy and a smaller guy. Yes, I know who you're talking about. Uh, they they're in black and white, oh, or not black and white, black and red. Um, the Ascension. Thank you, Jerry Ascension. So to me, yeah, uh, Killian Dane could be uh, could go up there and when it, when it's his time and have. And have a great career, or he could be an ascension. Not that there's anything wrong with being the ascension. They're at WrestleMania. They're on the road with WWE. They're making good money. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I just don't know if he's the next big thing, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, maybe he's the next Bastion Booger. I mean, you never know. Yeah, I don't know. But I, by the way, I did t- totally off subject. I went back since I was on WWE Network uh, after the Hall of Fame, and I I watched that entire. Jacksonville War Games that we talked about oh, way back yes. when. I wa- and I went back and watched it. I hadn't watched it probably since I was there live in 92. And uh, if you get a chance to watch that on WWE Network, be sure to do that. Uh, it was a War Games pay-per-view. It was uh, the Dangerous Alliance against Sting Squadron. And I will still say, to this day, that stands up, to me at least, as the best War Games of all time. So just as a total aside, if you get a chance to check that out, uh, check it out. Let me know what you think at David Penzer on Twitter. Uh, we're going to head into WrestleMania now. And uh, I watched all seven hours of it for the most part. And uh, that's a long time, Mr. Freeland. What do you think? Um, you mean, as an overall or I mean, you definitely have to make sure you take your five hour energy because, I mean, that was a long pay-per-view. Um I liked what they did on the on the pre-show. I, I liked the stuff they did there, cutting back and forth to the um, the announce table, and they were kind of doing recaps and also plugging the actual main card itself. Uh, but yeah, just long. I mean, you were like, my God, some matches were shorter, some matches were longer. But at the end of the day, when you watch WrestleMania, specifically this one, you're going to have to make sure that you uh, you don't go anywhere because. Um, you're locked in for the whole day. Hey, I got a question for you, and more like a rhetorical question uh, before we get going on the WrestleMania actual card. Uh, I know he's the biggest star in the history of mankind, and kudos to The Rock, and he's entertaining as hell, and there'll never be another one like him. But how many times on one WrestleMania weekend do you have to see the same scene from Fighting With My Family? The yes. same exact scene. I could like. I think I could cut the promo myself. <laughs> they don't got it. They didn't have any other scene that they could show other than The Rock cutting the promo on Paige and his brother, her brother. Maybe, maybe that's the best. You know, they uh, say well, they and put that's the, the best br- stuff in the and trailer. That, and that that's the that's the potential problem. If that's the best scene, first of all, I've already seen it half a dozen times now, so <laughs> I have no desire to ever see it again. And secondly. Uh, uh, it, it almost got to be like a running gag. It was almost like Kevin Dunn and Vince McMahon had a bet. How many times could we sneak this in in one freaking weekend? The same scene with the same opening going, hi, this is Paige, and this is a clip from my new movie. And I kept hoping that it would be a different clip. And uh, 
Uh, it was the same clip. Not that there was well, anything he, wrong with the clip. Here's two questions for you. First of all, why are they making a movie on Paige? That's my first question. My second question is, did you notice when she was leading into the clip for the movie, she seemed like she wasn't quite ready for when she was supposed to start talking? Like, it was kind of like, uh, okay, I'll start now. Does that make sense? It wasn't as a smooth delivery as you would have expected from a WWE production. Yeah, the whole thing was a bit awkward. I will give you that. Um, her her family is actually quite interesting. Not to go off on a tangent because we want to talk WrestleMania this week. But uh, when I uh, left WCW and when WCW closed, so to speak, uh, I was on a WCW uh, tour. It was me and Fit Finley and Horace Hogan. Uh, for uh, an independent British wrestling promotion. Uh, and we did about three and a half weeks going over and doing independent shows in England. And, uh, and there's a wrestler uh, who was uh, ended up being Paige's father and then also Paige's mom, Sweet Soraya. And, uh, and so they kind of set up the ring and they, they wrestled on all the shows and you saw the brothers and, I remember, I remember like it was yesterday, you know, we'd go before the show started and Paige and her little brothers would be jumping all over the ring ropes and, and playing wrestling with their dad. And, and, and they, they've all become a wrestling family. And, and, and over in England, the way that wrestling is, it's, it's really even more carny than it is here. So they've really been the, become the ultimate carny wrestling family uh, over in the UK. So, and then, and then of course, Paige came over and, 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 and made it big and, so it's it's actually an interesting story. I think it can be. I just uh, I just wasn't sure why they 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 played that same clip every single time uh, throughout the weekend. But um, you, you're gonna take your wife to date night and take her out to dinner and then go see that movie. Uh, I don't go to movies, but it, but no, I'll wait till it comes on. <laughs> I'll wait till it comes on uh, on Dish Network. So uh, all right. So the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Uh, yes. I actually didn't not like this. I actually thought it was pretty good. Uh, I thought Goldust looked great. I'm just, by the way, as I've done with some of the other pay-per-views, I just took random notes of my opinions and feelings and thoughts. So uh, some of it might make sense. Some of it might not. And uh, hopefully it entertains you. Uh, I thought Goldust looked great. You know, I've known him for a long time and there was a time that he had his own demons and 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 battled weight problems and 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 personal problems and the guy's really got, turned his life around and uh, he looks great he looks healthy uh, he was obviously the veteran in that battle royal to sort of make sure towards the end that everybody was was hitting their spots and um, I'm so glad that uh, that he's he's gotten his life on track and doing a great job uh, and uh, I'd like to see them give him one more little run I was kind of hoping he would win the battle royal. But he did it. Yeah, there were so many big names that were in there. And it's funny looking back at it. I mean, you got you got Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, who you would think that they would somehow be involved in a, in a main WrestleMania card match. Shelton Benjamin, you know, um, you know, you had Heath Slater in there, who I think he's been getting a little bit of a push. But Dolph Ziggler, I mean, does that kind of surprise you a little bit with as much as he had been in the in the press and, and they were trying to run? his gimmick for a while and, and that kind of didn't work, but there was a lot of, I think in my opinion, a lot of star power in this battle Royal. Um, I actually liked it. Um, really happy to see Matt Hardy win. Um, you know, not to try to jump the gun here, but really cool to see Matt Hardy win. 
I really like the whole broken gimmick. I feel like it's now starting to get a little more traction. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I was. It was nice to see Bray come out uh, and a great swerve for like an opening match like that. Uh, it's the first time that uh, the Andre the Giant Battle Royal result made me interested in anything past that said result. Now I'm interested in seeing Bray and 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 Matt Hardy together and 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 maybe Brother Nero as well. And so I think that could be a fun little group, uh, the three of them. And um, yeah, the, the Battle Royal was 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 fun. Uh, I, I, here's the point. I don't watch a lot of pre-shows, so maybe um maybe this happens a lot. But they took a commercial in the middle middle of a pay-per-view match. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that as well, and that that kind of made me scratch my head and go, "Wait a minute here, just to plug more of the network and more of their merchandise." But to take a commercial, you have the network. I mean, you have your own feed. There's no real reason to. But I guess at the end of the day, you got to pay the bills. And I guess they were wanting to plug some of their stuff. But yes, it, it did also make me scratch my head. One thing I noticed that I uh, couldn't believe, and I don't watch pre-shows very often, so maybe they do this all the time. But they took a commercial during a, a pay-per-view match. Uh, and I, I couldn't understand it. And I, I later did some digging around. And uh, I found out that... Uh, that USA aired the second hour of the pre-show. So that's why they took those commercial breaks. So uh, I solved it. I solved it. I solved the, the question of the commercial breaks in the middle of the matches. <laughs> they still, by the way, they still didn't have to take them in the middle of the matches. They do that on, on their broadcasting uh, raw and SmackDown enough uh, to where they didn't have to do that in the middle of the match. But um, for any of you, of you that were wondering why they were doing commercial breaks in the middle of a battle Royal, uh, that is why they had uh, USA Today was uh, was airing that second hour. And um, so that answers the question. Uh, my sincere thanks to Mr. P-Tuck for that information. So, yeah, fun match. Uh, first time I've ever really been into the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. And I'm interested to see interested to see where the whole Bray and uh, Matt uh, go from here. So maybe. Maybe it was just me, but I actually was a little swerved when when obviously Bray was was in the ring. I actually had thought that he was going to be a contestant, like one of those last minute type of things where he was like a last second contestant, like the last guy. And I thought he was actually in for a second. But then all of a sudden they rang the bell and it was Matt Hardy was declared the winner. And I was like, okay, I get it. He's just kind of showing up here. But had you heard also about the different rumors and speculations about maybe repackaging Bray Wyatt, maybe doing something post-WrestleMania with his character? Because I had heard a lot of rumblings and read online that maybe they might be kind of going away from his his character as it is right now. You know, you see that on the Internet, but nobody knows for sure. Uh, I've always said that he was a great babyface. He got one shot uh, after a WrestleMania a couple years ago. and. Um, and did a fantastic job and then got hurt in that match and never they never gave him another shot. So I say give him a run with the Hardys as a, as a babyface. I, I thought he did a great job. It was a little awkward. Uh, there was no, uh, uh, there was no anybody, you know, maybe they should have smartened JR or one of the announcers up to say that he's not in, you know, he's not even in this match, you know. So, but uh, see, see, there was one part that seemed a little bit awkward to that whole sequence. It was that part, but uh, the fact that something uh, newsworthy came out of the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, I was willing to give that a pass. 
Yeah, no, I'm with you on that 100%. I, I like the Battle Royal itself. Uh, I love to see the star power that we had in there. It was really cool to see Matt. Really cool to see a Bray Wyatt appearance, and I'm with you. I'm uh, really looking forward to seeing what is next with uh, with Bray and Matt, and like you said before, possibly uh, Brother Nero. So stay tuned, and, and we'll find out more about that. Which leads us to the finals of the Cruiserweight tournament. I did not see any of the tournament, so I really was not personally invested in this match. Uh, what I did write in my notes is good for Nigel and good for Spud. I uh, love to see those two guys, both well-deserving to be on a national stage, Nigel McGuinness and formerly known as Rockstar Spud. So uh, uh, good for them. Uh, Cedric Alexander went over. And I don't know if people noticed this, but um, at the after he got the one, two, three, before he stood up, he kind of hugged uh, his opponent and whispered in his ear like, thank you, because uh, obviously it meant a lot for both those guys to be on on that stage. And uh, I can't even imagine how it is wrestling in front of 75,000 people. I, you know, I, I, we played some big buildings, 40,000 uh, uh, people at the Georgia Dome was probably the most. Uh, and I, we had actually played that building in front of about 38, the Superdome. But, um, you know, it's one thing ring announcing. It's another thing working your whole life to get, you know, and then, then again, those are just Monday night shows. That's not WrestleMania the Super Bowl. So it was really nice to see. And I wanted to point it out. It was really classy that Cedric Alexander kind of gave uh, Ali a hug and, and thanked him uh, before he stood up and, and took the title. Did you notice that Mike? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I saw that and I thought that was really cool for two young guys who literally, I mean, before the match started, it was interesting because you could see them. They were kind of jawing with each other, trying to get each other, not, I'm not trying to get each other hyped up, but but basically telling each other, hey, look, we're here at WrestleMania. And it was so neat to see Mustafa Ali uh, and Cedric Alexander get get that platform to perform on because both of these guys are unbelievable talents. And to see that embrace, it was funny because after the the finish, which was which was great, he did that. He kind of like went ahead and put his arm over uh his face and you could tell he whispered something to him. And for those two guys to put on the kind of show that they did, I think they could be, they should be very proud of themselves. And I think the, uh, the brass definitely took notice on that one. So, but the, the one thing though, that's important to point out is while it was a cruiserweight match and while they put on an entertaining match, they didn't go crazy because right. it, though, you know, your initial uh, thought process is we're going to, we're going to have the best match of the show. And that's all well and good. Everybody should want to have the best match of the show, and everybody should want to do 40 zillion flip-flop and fly moves if that's your gimmick. But uh, if they would have done that, which they never would have done because the agent wouldn't have allowed them to, but uh, it's it's just really a good lesson for young cruiserweight wrestlers. Uh, you got to know your place on the show. A um, couple of years ago, we did a Legends of Wrestling show, and I'm not going to mention where it was because I don't want to call anybody out. And And they did a pre-show match. And there's about six high-flying guys. A couple of them now are actually relatively decent uh, indie names on uh, World Wrestling Network and Evolve and different places like that. Um, and they went out. Now, this was a pre-show match. This was, wasn't even before. The, and and you got to remember who you had wrestling. You know, had guys like Hacksaw Jim Duggan, guys like Tatanka. And these guys did 20 minutes of crazy flip-flop and fly. Was it a good, good match? Yeah, it was great. It was The fans went crazy. I could only think, though, if that the, how lucky these guys were that Hacksaw Jim Duggan or one of those other veterans didn't watch that match 
and was waiting for him at the door when they got back because that match was a Legends of Wrestling show. That match was not a flip-flop and fly show. This match was WrestleMania. It was the Cruiserweight match was one of the opening matches in the pre-show. They knew, or somebody at least told them as an, as an agent, put on a good match, but don't try to steal this show. And, 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 and that's an important lesson for up-and-coming wrestlers. You've got to know your place on the show. Could you imagine... Uh, what what guys like AJ Styles would have thought if those guys would have gone out and tried to do a five star match on the pre show of WrestleMania, uh, there would have been a heat to say the least. So, but uh, I got nothing nothing bad about it. Uh, good for Nigel, good for Spud, and uh, good for Cedric and Ali. And uh, uh, I wish the uh, two hundred five live guys nothing but uh, the best. Yeah, and, and I'm actually uh, adopting the uh, the Dave Penzer star rating. So as we go along here, you're going to hear what my my stars oh, okay, are. Okay, right. I gave this one. Yes, I. Uh, ever since you brought it up, well, I, 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 it's I, really a good idea. I, I gave up on the stars until somebody could tell me what the difference of a match is between two and one quarter stars, two and two quarter stars, and two and three quarter stars. I, I've given up. So, but. Okay, so the so the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, how many stars did it get? Okay, so the 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 best score is five stars. Right. So I gave the Andre the Giant Battle Royal three and a half stars. Okay, my prediction is if that match would have gone on at ten o'clock, you'd have given it a half a star. But it, a lot of it is a lot of it is about placement. So uh, absolutely. So, so so go on the cruiserweight title match. Uh, Cruiserweight, I gave that one. Uh, I gave that one. I gave it one three and a quarter stars. And and once again, I know you're you're not a fan of the fractions, but um, yeah, three and a quarter stars. What would have made that match three and a half stars? Um, I think a couple of the spots got a little mashed up a little bit. Um, I think they kind of got ahead of themselves a little bit. If they would have slowed down a little bit, had a little bit better of pacing, um, I think I would have gone. I would have gone three and a half, but uh, three and a quarter. I still think that's extremely fair for uh, for a pre-show match. Okay, so uh, we have the Women's Battle Royal. Uh, something I found strange, I don't know if anybody else noticed this, uh, they gave Becky Lynch an entrance, then they played generic music and had like uh, three-quarters of the rest of the match walk out, but, and then they went back to the to the uh, Bailey entrance and the Sasha Banks entrance and... Uh, and some of the other entrances, and uh, I, I, it would have made more sense if they'd have had the girls in the ring first uh, that were coming out to the generic entrances, and then did the the big star entrances. And um, I'd love to hear in in the scheme of seven hours, that's like the small potatoes, but that's sort of my thing. I like to nitpick on small potatoes, so I'd love to find out uh, why they thought that that worked because I thought it seemed kind of silly. But uh, uh, gotta tell you, um. I love. I had never seen Bianca Belair, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's a weave or if that's her real hair. But hey, if that's her real hair, God bless her, because that 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 must be. Uh, even if it's a weave, you still got to take care of it. Uh, but she used it as a bullwhip. That was awesome. Dutch Mantel must have been like, yeah, I'm popping big time. Uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, that's an awesome gimmick, and. Uh, uh, I'd like to see more of her. She also did a, a cool 450 splash, so she definitely has some talent. And I love, I love the hair as a bullwhip. Anything you could do to stand out, make make yourself differently. You know, obviously there's 30 women now on the roster, and uh, and and she definitely was the one who stood out to me of the of the 
the NXT women for those two reasons. Um, I thought that it was a great spot by uh, Bailey and, and Sasha showing off and then Bailey immediately eliminating Sasha. Big pop for that. Uh, I don't really understand the Naomi swerve. Uh, uh, I, I didn't know she was eliminated. They n- never really made a point to say she wasn't eliminated. And uh, I, I just don't understand. I know that they like her gimmick with the, the light, the you know, the whole uh, bright, you know, glow in the dark stuff. And it's cool. I was the first person to say on a, on a different post pay-per-view show that that was a cool entrance. But, uh, but yeah, I didn't understand why they did that. And uh, I would have liked to have seen the finals of that be Bailey throwing uh, Sasha out and kind of leading up to what happens next. They've gone back and forth with Naomi, who has a lot of talent. But, you know, they gave her a little push like this. Then they pull back, and then they give her a little push like this. I think last WrestleMania she came in as champion, and then they let her lose it in, uh, in Orlando where she was from. So not 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 sure what you think, Mike, but uh, uh, didn't really understand that finish. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one, too. Like, the entrance thing kind of had me scratching my head. And, and then as far as the finish goes, I agree with you. But then on a previous episode, you and I talked about this. It's that 50-50 booking, right, where, you know, half the time they're going to give you a big push. And then the other half the time, you, you know, you're just going to be more of a role player. Um, Naomi, as far as winning it, I'm OK with that. Um, I'm not a huge Naomi fan, to be honest with you. I really would have liked to have seen Bailey win this one, um, but I, I was okay with that. Uh, the match itself, really, I was looking for more, and I don't really feel like I got as much out of it as I was looking for. So, overall, what would you what would you give this one? I'd I'd give it a two stars, I guess. I'm going to go with you on that one as well. I'm going to give it two stars. That's exactly what I scored. Are you just, so. are you just copying me? or? Uh, no, or really no, no, no. I actually have these. I actually have these. Oh, okay. okay. Just like my DMs that people send me all the time. I can, I can screen capture for you. Yeah. Um, before we start the main show uh, rundown and uh, uh, breaking news coming in at this uh, hour, uh, we'll talk a- about this match a little bit later, obviously, but uh, it is being reported in the wrestling media that Roman Reigns has uh, had to get 12 sutures and 10 staples in his head. Uh, so I would think he probably won't be wrestling tonight uh, in New Orleans. Uh, ouch. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. But just wanted to, we're doing this, like I said, as close to live as we ever do. So uh, breaking news just reported 12 sutures and 10 staples. I hope he gets a bonus. Now, what is the difference between a suture and a staple? A suture is a stitch. A staple okay. is a staple. Gotcha. Okay. Well, then why did they just say stitch then? Because they're, they're trying to, to, to show how bad the damage was that you need 10 stitches and 12 staples to close it. Uh, that means the stitches didn't close it. They needed to staple it. Touche. Uh, I thought the visual was great, but uh, we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later on in the podcast. This is City Ringside. We appreciate you listening to our special uh, post-WrestleMania weekend coverage. Uh, it is right before 8 o'clock here. If we get any more breaking news uh, from Raw, we will pass it on. And um, hoping that this drops uh, in your lap uh, on all the different platforms uh, by the end of Raw tonight. So that's our goal. And uh, moving on to the Intercontinental mat- title match, Finn Balor, The Miz, uh, and Seth Rollins. Uh, 
Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention this real quick. I don't want to get I don't want to get into a uh, uh, I don't want to get into a, a big uh, uh, Twitter thing or social media thing. I'm just curious in the year 2018 where inclusion Finn goes. And now, for those of you who 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 may not understand what I'm talking about. Finn Balor recently came out with a T-shirt for the Balor Club, and it's all about inclusion. It has all the rainbows, LGBTQ, um, and I, and 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 I'm all for that. I I got no. I, I just want to make totally certain. I got no problem. I, I think everybody should be themselves. We should all live in harmony in this world. Life's too short. I don't care. Uh, knock knock yourself out. Be what you want to be, and uh, enjoy life. But the fact that he had a whole, he had a, he was wearing the, the, the shirt and he had a whole group of, I guess, LGBTQ, uh, uh, people, uh, uh, fans, uh, that came out with him and, and they're really pushing it. I think it's cool, but other than getting possible publicity, I don't understand where it goes because if this was inclusion Finn in the attitude era, you'd have a heel come out and run down a promo about the LGBTQ people. That's professional wrestling. You, you somebody supports a cause, the, the heel comes out and says the cause is dumb or the cause, you know, and then you form a feud out of that. Well, this is 2018. You can't do that. That's not going to happen, nor should it happen, really. If I'm being totally honest, that's not the place to do it. So I'm just wondering where it goes. If it's just a standalone thing for WrestleMania and a nice message, of love and inclusion, then, then, then I see nothing wrong with it. And, uh, and, 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 and I'm all for it, but I, I'm just wondering if it has a shelf life or if they're, they have plans for it. Uh, I'm, I'm just kind of confused by it. Any thoughts, Mike? Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of with you on that one. In my opinion, the way I saw that with the, um, you know, the different fans that were on stage, plus his ring attire, I thought it was a really great gesture from a PR stand. And, um, I do believe it is done genuinely. It is not just done to appease fans. Oh no! If you follow, if you follow him on Twitter, he's absolutely all about that. And, and, and absolutely, and, and good on him for that. I I just I just wonder: is it a wrestling gimmick, or is it just him being himself, uh, shining, using his his star power to get a message across? If it's just if it's just using his star power to get a message across, then then good on you, great. I love it. But um, if it's part of his wrestling character, I'm not sure how you could incorporate that in angles without being politically incorrect in this day and time. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think personally, I mean, if we're really looking at this and breaking it down from who he is as a person, I think he had a platform and he had an opportunity to express himself and express what he you know believes in and supports and stands for. And I think that's really what it was. I do believe it was a one-off. I think it was a standalone type of thing. Um, as far as what his personal preferences are, would that be included into a character? I think that would be very difficult, like you said, where you would be really tiptoeing the line between what's appropriate, what's not, just as far as in the sense of being entertainment and wrestling. Because a lot of times I think wrestling can be looked at as in some ways kind of hokey, in some ways going too far, especially with some of the storylines we've seen in the past. Um, but I think this was a genuine moment. I think as a standalone, um, I think it was a great gesture by him um, just maybe to to raise 
awareness for it as well because you had what 78,000 people and how many more millions that were watching either on the WWE network um or on pay-per-view that could say hey you know what I really like Finn Balor you know I really like WWE man you know what this is really cool that one of the guys I like supports this cause and you know what maybe I should take a, another look at this and uh and maybe think about it yeah well if, that, again, if that's what it is hats off to him I love it and I'm all for it I just you know, you, 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 I've grown up 30 years in and around the wrestling business as a fan and in being involved. And, and most everything that happens happens for a reason, whether it's to start a feud or to sell a T-shirt. or to, And so if, it, if it's just a feel-good deal, uh, I'm all for it. I'm not going to beat up a dead horse on that. But, um, but, you know, from somebody who's been around the business a long time, you always wonder if there's gonna, they're going to try to find a way to incorporate it into an angle and I just don't see the upside of that happening so let's hope we don't have to talk about that in the future by the way do you know I have something in common with the Miz really yeah and it's a Wrestlemania moment okay I'm 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 curious you got me to bite what's what's what do you have in common with the Miz so it turns out that I the Miz Lance Storm and the Blue Meanie were all at WrestleMania 4 in Atlantic City as fans. Are you serious? Yes, I am serious. I was that is awesome. I was I was there and uh I saw that Blue Meanie put Blue Meanie put on Twitter that he was there. So I put something on social media about oh we should have hooked up. Uh, I'm sorry I missed you. Uh I was there too and apparently the Miz and Lance Storm were there. So that is the trivia question of what do The Miz, Lance Storm, Blue Meanie, and David Penzer all have in common. Uh, they were all at WrestleMania 4 in Atlantic City as fans, which makes us all old. Uh, I think The Miz was probably like three. But um, so, so babyface turn for The Miz, you think? He didn't cheat? Um, well, see, and that's what really got me on this one, because when I saw him come out, which... I love the Miz's entrance. And then the Miz Taraj came out with him, but then he sent them back. And I thought, wait a minute. And you could kind of hear him talking um, to Curtis Sacks. I got to do this on my own. So right then and there, it starts planting the seeds in your mind that, wait a minute, maybe this is a, a, a change for the Miz. Maybe kind of getting away from a little of the cockiness. He's been talking about being a father and being a good role model for his daughter and in all these big life changes. And I thought, man, this would be perfect. I would love to see this with him because he's so phenomenally talented and I could see him retaining the title. And I think that would be great. Um, fortunately that didn't happen, but I think the Miz has now in his road to WrestleMania landed some more fans and I'm definitely one of them. Uh, they cut back uh, to Cena during this match as a fan. Uh, of course, John Cena said he was coming to WrestleMania as a fan and sure enough, um, I figured they'd get a couple shots out of them out there, but he was like out there at like three o'clock in the afternoon, apparently uh, sitting with the fans. So that must've been a, a cool little free meet and greet for those that were sitting around him. And um, I'm sitting there thinking, I still have no clue how this is going to develop because I, I didn't get it when they didn't bring out under, I, I didn't really like this whole angle at all. The whole insult in the undertaker. I thought that was sort of off limits. And then you figure he's going to come out last uh, week in Atlanta on Monday Night Raw, and he didn't show up, and 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 I, I didn't get where they were going. Now, as we will get to later on, 
I finally understood it, and it made total sense. But uh, they uh, they even uh, they even had me scratching my head. But it was nice to see John Cena slow drinking a beer. So uh, he drinks beer like my twenty uh, one year old son does. <laughs> he, drink, he drinks a, he drinks one beer in uh, three hours. So uh, wow. So anyway, I thought the match was good. Uh, uh, great match. Didn't hurt anybody. Uh, didn't hurt any. Didn't hurt the Miz. Didn't hurt uh, Finn Balor. Uh, uh, Seth Rollins becomes a Grand Slam champion, and uh, and uh, we we live to see another day on Raw. Thought uh, thought it was fine. What was what was your star rating? I gave it four out of five stars. I literally thought that this was perfect. I mean, it got the crowd pumped up. Um, they were definitely in it big time. And I thought the, the spots were great. I mean, I don't think you could have put a better group of guys together to work. I mean, it was really, really good. Um, the only reason why I didn't give it five out of five was because, I mean, I really wasn't looking for Seth Rollins to get the big push. I was looking for Miz to go ahead and retain or Finn Balor to go ahead and get the belt. But well, so the, the reason it. you didn't give it five stars is because it wasn't a five star match. But uh, but, you know, and it, it wasn't takes, in Japan. It takes so. a, it takes a special match to be a five star match. Uh, it, it does. So uh, Charlotte and Asuka was next. Uh Boy, to, to have Rick uh, Flair's music play at the beginning of that segment uh, with Charlotte out there, uh, talk about giving me chills, man. Uh, that music is iconic, and uh, the fact that that uh, she came out to, you know, not her version of the music, which played after, but the initial version of Rick's music. Uh, I wrote down here somewhere, probably in the suite, Rick is crying. Not a doubt in my mind oh, yeah. that Rick was crying and deservedly so. Uh, uh, Charlotte, to me, uh, maybe possibly already the greatest women wrestler of all time. Definitely, to me, I think she's the greatest American women wrestler of all time. You know, you, I, I put something out on Twitter yesterday after that match. And, you know, people put my Nami Toyota and, and Dump Matsumoto. And, and I didn't watch that stuff. And I know that it was... For its time back in the '80s, it was uh, it was uh, earth-shattering and totally changed women's wrestling. But uh, that's not my forte. I, I don't know that that uh, that group of people. So to me, definitely, uh, uh, especially after this match, the greatest uh, American women wrestler of all time, and she's still young. It's amazing. Uh, uh, I, I I thought that uh, uh, the match was intense. Uh, great suit. Uh, suplex spot from the apron to the floor. The I got to tell you something. The, the the SmackDown announcers I thought did a better job than the Raw announcers. And nothing against Michael Cole. Uh, nothing against the coach. But there were several times in matches that the SmackDown announcers really sold small things that got over. For example, the uh, they told a great story uh, about Charlotte's shoulder. Uh, and, and it really got over the fact that her shoulder was hurt early in the match and that Asuka was going to, you know, take advantage of that. And, and, and it told a story that, uh, that, that, that needed to be told. And sometimes you don't, you don't hear that, uh, on a WWE broadcast. Uh, they don't do as much storytelling, quite frankly, as, as some would like, but, um, uh, Great, great, great facials from Charlotte. And uh, I, after it was over, I wrote, wow, in all caps, follow that, exclamation point. Uh, I was surprised to see 
the streak broken, but uh, I uh, I guess you had to do it sometime, and I thought that the match was intense and one of the best two matches probably for me on the show. Well, I mean, it, it's kind of hard there. I mean, you're stuck from a booking perspective. I mean, if I was the person making the final decision, what do you really do? I mean, yeah, you have the streak. You have an extremely hot talent like Asuka. But then you have Charlotte Flair, on the other hand, who is white hot in her own regard. And, you know, the only reason I can think of that you would go ahead and put the belt on Asuka is if you're trying to go ahead and push her harder. What we've talked about in previous episodes, not everyone needs the belt. And I don't think Asuka necessarily is a character that needs the belt. So at that point in time, I think if they both go ahead and have a great match and Charlotte retains, as I think that it should have been done, I don't really think the streak is in that big of a deal in the fans' minds. Tell me, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think I think that there were a lot of people that upset that they broke the streak, and I think it all comes down to the following question. Is there more money in Asuka versus Ronda Rousey or Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey? And if the answer to your question is Asuka, then she should have gone over. And it's clear to me that the powers that be think that there's more money in a huge Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And um, and, and as far as promos go alone, uh, you know, you got Ronda being a Roddy Piper fan. You got uh, you got built in Charlotte's dad and Roddy having a, a, a friendship and a feud. You got two two people who could talk, uh, you know, great English. And while Asuka is extremely talented and I'm a big fan. Uh, you know, a lot of time in, in when you're building up to a big match, especially like a Ronda Rousey style match, uh, you need to be able to cut promos back and forth. And um, and so I think that that, in my opinion, was what the thought process was. And uh, if you're going to have anyone beat the streak other than Ronda, then it should be the person you're setting up for Ronda. So I have no complaints. I thought it was a great match. I'm proud of Ashley. Uh, and it's not because I know Ashley that I they think it was one of the best two matches on the card. I just thought the intensity in the match was off the charts, and I really enjoyed it. How many stars did you give it, Mike Freeland? I gave it four out of five stars as well. So you think this match was was the same as was was just as good as the Intercontinental match? I do. Hmm. I believe that the the high spots were were great. I felt like the intensity was really good. I felt like the storytelling's really good by. Uh, by the announcers here with the Charlotte match. And, and it was funny that you mentioned, you know, talking about her shoulder because Oscar then went ahead and she actually started taunting uh, Charlotte with, with slapping her own shoulder going, you know, come on in here, come on in here. And, and I thought that was great, but yes, I, I gave it four out of five. More breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, as it has just been announced that there will be a two day event next Monday and Tuesday on the USA network, a raw SmackDown superstar shakeup. So uh, throw everything out the window, and we're going to start again. So that's uh, next week on Raw and SmackDown. It's just been announced the Superstar Shake-Up, a two-night event. Really enjoyed Charlotte and Asuka. Uh, props to them. Uh, four-way U.S. title match. Um, <laughs> I wrote as I'm watching this, is there anyone with less pressure tonight on them than Randy Orton? Oh, I agree. The, the guy, the guy has been in main events of WrestleMania. The guy's done it all, and he's a, he's a sizzled veteran. 
and 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 his biggest worry tonight is having to were you know participate in a ten minute four way U.S. title match that he didn't even get beat in the end. Uh, you know the, the you know there's a lot of pressure on these guys to perform during WrestleMania. Uh, the award for less least amount of pressure uh, in WrestleMania 34 goes to Randy Orton, in my opinion. And uh, but it's a payday. Uh, I thought it was okay for what it was uh, for what it had to follow. Uh, not sure why Jinder Mahal went over. Uh, about six months ago, I'd, I'd, I'd have been all for it. As you know, I was the one who argued that there should be a, uh, uh, Indian, uh, star, uh, cause they were going to go in the Indian market. Uh, we have determined that I was wrong on that end and that was a failed experiment. So just curious why I go back to the failed experiment. Well, again. Well, it seems, at least in my opinion, that the WWE doesn't tend to learn sometimes from its prior mistakes. And the only thing, Dave, that I can actually tell you as far as why they are going to go ahead and, and put Jinder Mahal over and is because of their big, um, they have another big show that's going to be coming up here. Uh, it's going to be what they're called the greatest Royal Rumble of all time with 50 superstars and and that's the only thing I can think of is they're, they're looking for it's going to be in the Middle East and maybe that would draw a little bit more attention. Maybe that might get a little bit more um, fans to come out in that area. What are your thoughts with that? Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. Um, I, I I didn't put uh, too much thought into it. And if I'm being honest, probably uh, <laughs> probably neither did the booking team because there was a lot to do uh, on this night. and. Um, that definitely uh, was kind of came off as an afterthought. What did you what, what did you give it? Two stars? No, actually, um, I think I gave it. Let me let me look here at my notes here. I believe I gave it two and a half stars. Two and a half and stars. Two and a half stars. And here's the thing that really kind of just makes me scratch my head. And once again, I, I've never been in the business. I've never booked anything before, so I'm just talking out of my ass. But as white hot as Rusev is right now. What what what's the what's the problem with putting the strap on him? I mean, he's selling merchandise. People are loving him. Why not go with that and give him his moment right there? The, to me, that makes no sense. Or if you're not going to go with Rusev, then go with Bobby Roode. But but I would say Rusev more so. So what are your thoughts as far as why they would not put the belt on Rusev in this situation? Probably because they don't want to give in to the fans. The same reason why they're they they keep uh, shoving Roman Reigns down our throat, and uh, even though people don't like it, uh, that was a organic kind of thing. Uh, and I think it takes them a while to go with organic stuff uh, that they hadn't thought of. And uh, but it uh, you know hey, it got him in the match. Originally he was going to be in the battle royal, and the the reaction uh, to Rusev Day got him in that match. So. Uh, got him a bigger spot on the card. So uh, sometimes WWE and booking bookers uh, in general, uh, you could say the same thing for general managers and sports. Uh, a lot of times they like to do it their way and they don't like uh, fans or, or experts or pundits telling them what to do. And sometimes when the fans and experts and pundits end up being uh, right, uh, sometimes that uh, takes a while to, to come around. So uh, I think that's probably one of the reasons why uh, 
that they're still holding off on the Rusev Day thing. And they might think it's a one-trick pony. They may think if they put the belt on him, then the, the, the gimmick's over. And the, keeping him just a, a undercard, a mid-card guy will keep the, the Rusev thing, Day thing going. It is sort of a one-trick pony, uh, if you think about it. The most amazing thing to me, and uh, props to who whoever noticed this, and I'd love to know the answer to this question is, in the Battle Royal, Aiden English had hair. And when he came out to, to for that match, he was bald. Now, when, when, hold on. When I saw this on Twitter, I said to myself, A, somebody has too much time on their hands, and B, that can't be right. That can't be right. I'm saying that, you know, it's just somebody trying to stir shit. But I did see photos of him in the Battle Royal and photos of him afterwards, and he did go back between the Battle Royal and that match, and he shaved his head. So, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'd love to, you know, it's the things like that 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 just have me uh, just have me wonder, you know. It's 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 sort of why I do uh, sitting ringside, you know, to get inside stories and behind the scenes stuff, is because I it's kind of why I do this show. Uh, when most weeks we have guests and and uh, we tell stories, is because I'd love to hear uh, the the behind the scenes story of stuff like why did Aiden English have hair in the Battle Royal and not in this segment but uh, uh maybe it's maybe it's like a movie and there's like little easter eggs and they're they're seeing who's going to pick up on it or not and, and and you you are perceptive enough to go ahead and pick up on that stuff. no 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 I, I can't take credit it was on somebody on twitter found figured it out i could i i i wouldn't if i wouldn't have noticed that if uh if if, if there was a a million dollar uh a contest going on that well you know what's different I wouldn't have I wouldn't have noticed that. So, but somebody else picked up on it. So good on them. Uh, moving on to the mixed tag. Uh, uh, I thought that the mixed tag was as good as you could have gotten for if anybody would have told anybody, fans, management, Stephanie, Rhonda, anybody, Vince, how good that match would have been. Uh, especially on such a loaded show, I think that they would have uh, thought that uh, that you were lying to them. Uh, I thought it was the match of the show. Uh, I, I just little things, little things like um, uh, early heel stuff for Stephanie. You know, as Ronda's going to her corner, pulling her down by the back of her hair, and then running outside the ring. Just little things like that are things that get overlooked. Um, and uh, uh, I, I got nothing but good things to say about that about that match. And 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 I will say my last impression of that match was it was the longest match on the show. And even Charlotte, who's in amazing shape, who had a shorter match, was 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 breathing, was huffing and puffing a little bit after her match because you know it it, it 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 you know it takes a mega athlete to go through twenty fifteen twenty twenty five minutes. And not, you know, huff and puff a little bit because what they do is hard out there. Rhonda, not even blown up, not even breathing no. hard. She's a freak. Nope. She's a freak. I used to say Charlotte was a freak. She's a freak. Oh, my goodness. She, I'm looking at her at the end of this whole thing, and she's not even breathing hard. Her, you know, Kurt's breathing hard, and the referee's breathing hard. I'm breathing hard, and I'm only, <laughs> I'm only watching it. And, and, and she's, she's just, just out there like, uh, you know, like she just uh, – uh, did a minute of cardio and jumped in the pool. It's unbelievable. Um, I broke great match, accomplished everything they wanted to do, and then some. Uh, so kudos. Uh, from what I hear, uh, uh, 
uh, in the opening segment of Raw tonight, uh, Stephanie came out and got her arm broken again by Ronda. So uh, uh, we, we're trying to determine if it's the same arm or the opposite arm. So she might have two broken arms now. But, um, you know, the one one negative thing I've seen people say is that it took too long that 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 uh, that that Stephanie was able to block the uh, the arm bar a couple of times. Uh, this is professional wrestling. This is not MMA. As CM, CM Punk found out the opposite way. Uh, and I, I mean, no disrespect in that. So, uh, you know, for, for anybody that expected that to be booked as an MMA match where the first time that uh, Ronda got her hands on on Stephanie. It was going to be over in 10 seconds, which would be what happened if it was an MMA match. Uh, this is professional wrestling. You're telling a story. And there's some reasons why professional wrestling is sometimes more interesting than boxing and mixed martial arts and stuff like that because, obviously, you can control uh, the flow. So what were your thoughts? You gave it five stars. Let me guess. No, I get. I, well, I'll tell you what my rating is at the end here. But I, I love the match, and I will agree with you. Most likely, you know, uh, it's it's the in a lot of people's minds the best match of the night. What I loved in the beginning was they kept her out of the ring. It was it was predominantly Kurt. He was doing his thing, which kind of let a lot of viewers think, "Oh, wait a minute, is this going to be mainly Kurt doing it?" And then she'll maybe come in in a cleanup type of situation. And then when she finally got in, Dave, I I tell you what, they did a hell of a job at the performance center because she did not look like a rookie. She did not look like somebody who that is their first match. And I think a lot of times we look at guys or gals and we say, is is the stage too big for them? It wasn't too big for her. Um, what she was able to physically do and, and also put on the persona that she did, she was trash talking, um, triple H, Hey, get your wife in here. She's the biggest crybaby I've ever seen. I mean, it was really, really cool. So she really stepped it up from what we had seen her on Monday night raws, which leading into WrestleMania, her talking, the segments they had done with her. I don't know how you felt, but I was a little like, I don't know. She's not quite as polished. She might know not exactly how to read a crowd, how to speak on the mic, but she completely dissolved all of my concerns. I thought she did an amazing job. And her feats of strength, when she had Triple H up on her shoulders, I thought she was going to do an F5 for a second. But that was just the rolling move that she did um, was just, I was I stood up from the couch. I, I, I said to myself, this is amazing. Yeah, it's, it was. It's everything you want it to be. Huge pop for Ronda Rousey and Triple awesome. H going at it. Uh, at one point, I actually wrote that nobody gave a crap about Triple H and Kurt. It was all about Ronda and Steph. But by the end of the yes. match, by the end of the match, the people were just as in the to Kurt and and Triple H. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm glad for Kurt because at the beginning they were kind of quiet for that. They wanted to see Ronda, but uh, it was perfectly. Ex- you know, it just goes to show you that you can never tell. There were segments that 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 that, that I would see on paper uh, and see the, the notes on Nitro or on at, at, at Impact Wrestling that I would say this looks absolutely off the charts and it would just not come off right. And there would be stuff that didn't look like it was going to come off right and it would end up off the charts and you just never can tell. Uh, the crowd has a lot to do with it and the crowd was totally in on every single thing that they did. And um, yeah, I think it was the match of the show. So uh, I, I wouldn't have thought that. Uh, 
it just blows my mind that she wasn't even blown up. So what was your star? And then we're going to move on. Four and a half stars. Four and a half stars. What would they have needed to do to do to make it five stars? Just out of curiosity. Um, oh gosh. Um, I just feel like it's so hard to hit five. I, I almost feel like it's got to be flawless. And I felt like there was a couple of moments that were a little, a little bit much. Um, I, I, I'm reaching here right now, if you can tell, but four and a half, I'm going to give her four and a half. I can't give her a five on her first. How about four and three quarters? I'll go four and three quarters. There you go. I twisted your arm without you a number. You, you got you got a quarter, okay. another quarter out of it. So this is not politically correct, and I want to say in advance that I apologize. But I wrote this down. What's the one thing that could follow Rounder Rousey? Midget pancakes doing the worm. Midget. <laughs> I know you're not supposed to say midget. I'm sorry, little people. Pancakes doing the worm. <laughs> who, who? I gotta say, see, whenever I thought that there were things that could that 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 would have killed the crowd. They came up with off-the-wall things to get them. We'll talk about uh, Nicholas later, but Nicholas was another off-the-wall thing that got the crowd in a match that, 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 that shouldn't have been into it. But, you know, somebody had to be thinking, what the hell is going to follow this up? Midget pancakes doing the worm. And that's all I have to say about this match. It was a squash Pleasant Brothers win. Anything else you have to say? I just have to, I want to say one more thing. One more time, midget pancakes doing <laughs> the worm at WrestleMania. <laughs> and actually, actually, Rob Naylor, who's a friend of mine, uh, he's a, he was a Dusty's assistant when Dusty was booking NXT years ago, and he's about 5'4". Uh, and uh, he wrote something funny on Twitter. He said, if this is 2012, I'd be the head of the pancakes. So uh, oh, I, thought, I, thought that was, I thought that was pretty funny. But uh uh, yes, Midget Pancakes doing the worm. I got nothing else to say about the match. What say you? Um, as far as the match goes, yeah. I mean, it was kind of the Bushwhackers-esque moment uh, for the WrestleMania. Um, you know, Bludgeon Brothers go over. They win. Wasn't a very short, wasn't a very long match. Um, kind of a foregone conclusion that they were going to get the belts at that point. But New Day with serving the the fresh pancakes. I'd like to know who was in charge of putting those together backstage, or maybe that was catering that had done it. But I thought it was cool. Everybody was getting hyped up for it, and it was fun. It, it kind of lifted the mood um, from some pretty intense matches that had previous happened. So, you know what? I liked it. It was, it was good. I will tell you that I saw a picture on social media uh, as part of like a WrestleMania montage, and I don't know where it came from. I'm relatively sure it wasn't who was cooking the pancakes for this match, but it was a shot of somebody cooking pancakes outdoors, uh, and Teddy Hart was there overseeing the pancake cooking. So I'm, re oh, I'm relatively sure that Teddy Hart was not put in charge of cooking the New Day's pancakes, but I did. But he was cooking pancakes somewhere with uh, with with his with his uh, cat in his hand. So uh, oh god. Uh, so uh, but yeah, midget pancakes doing the worm. Gotta love it. All right. Yes. It all Moving makes on. it all makes sense now. Cena Taker, they do the yeah. tea, they do the tease again. Uh, they have a referee come. Cena comes out, says uh, we're going to do this thing. Uh, referee comes out, says he's not there. Cena leaves. Lights go out. People pop. They think it's Undertaker, and it's Elias Swerve. Elias get, uh, uh, does a promo. I wrote. I wrote. Uh, this is what I wrote in my notes. I didn't get it. 
when they started, meaning the the, the uh, Cena versus Undertaker uh, deal, and I don't get it now. And as soon as I wrote that, as usually happens, as soon as I write something, it all made sense. See, the whole bridge from last year's WrestleMania to this year's WrestleMania when it comes to The Undertaker that they couldn't explain is the fact that he had put his jacket and his hat in the middle of the ring and said goodbye. And so, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of upset that I didn't, I didn't pick up on this, but I don't think a lot of people did. But it actually was a really cool moment that they showed the jacket and the hat in the middle of the ring. Then they had lightning strike it, and it disappeared. So basically what it was was the Undertaker taking his hat and his jacket back and explaining the story. So I apologize to whoever came up with this angle. I've been trashing it for weeks. I trashed it on social media. I trashed it on Twitter. I apologize. It took a long time to get there, but it made total sense. And I'm glad they did it that way because people would have said, well, what about the hat and the jacket? How do you get it back? Uh, so I finally got it, and uh, I, I, I enjoyed the short little match that they had. Not exactly sure where this is going, if anywhere, but uh, Cena got his, his WrestleMania moment, I guess. Oh, God. I mean, this is where my stomach started to hurt. I had to pop some Pepto. So I'm with you on the whole standpoint of the storytelling, you know, bridging from one WrestleMania to another. I really like the idea that they did do the spotlight on his his ring attire and then lightning and then it's gone. Very cool that you're, you're right. I had an aha moment myself. I think everybody did. I think that was the moment that everybody has been wondering what the hell is are they doing? Finally realized what the hell they were I doing. Get it. Yes. And in in to kind of piggyback on what you said before. No, I give him a lot of credit now because I was one of those people who was like, what in the hell is going on? Where is this leading to? And then when they finally pull the curtain back and they let you know, this is what we've been planning the whole time. It was a year in the making. It makes total sense. Now, here's where I got a little bothered by the thing. You got John Cena, who obviously was calling out the undertaker and trashing him and, you know, trying to act like a, like a tough guy the whole time. And then all of a sudden, Undertaker comes out, and it, this is like a squash match. And I'm and, and Cena's like totally petrified of him. And and I get it, you know, it, it wasn't going to go long. I mean, the man just had hip replacement surgery not too many months ago, so he wasn't going to be able to take many bumps or if any. But it was just like, wait a minute, you got they kept promoting this thing. You know, if it happened. Two huge legends. When is the next time you're going to see these two guys in the ring together? It may never happen. And I thought, wow, this could really steal the show. This could be looked at as that bonus thing that no one thought was going to happen. And then it was like two minutes and 43 seconds I saw on Twitter. And I, I, I don't know. I wonder if physically he just couldn't go or maybe it was intended to just crush John Cena to maybe build him back up for another WrestleMania. I, I was just a little little confused on what the motive was well, to go ahead and crush him that fast. Either they were given uh, uh, Undertaker his WrestleMania mojo back uh, and then let, let him retire uh, on a positive light as, as opposed to last year, or uh, this is a, a start of a uh, maybe another match at SummerSlam, maybe a, 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 a bigger match at Mania. Um, maybe this match was just to get the darn hat jacket 
you know, back onto the undertaker. Uh, <laughs> seriously. Uh, uh, and, um, I will tell you that I absolutely loved the sit up spot on the five knuckle shuffle spot where, uh, Cena literally like did a baseball slide when he saw, uh, taker sit up. I thought that was fantastic. And, um, None of this bothered me. I really don't know why they did it, uh, and I really don't care. It was a fun little moment, and I finally now, after three weeks of torturing myself, understand what they were trying to do and uh, appreciate the fact that they were trying to tell an entire story, and uh, well done, and we'll see where this goes. We'll talk about it more, but um, how many stars did you give this, Freeland? I gave it two, and I only gave it two for the nostalgia pop for The Undertaker. And, uh, okay, I gave him a quarter star. It's two, but within that two, he got a quarter star for having very luscious hair, which kind of threw me off a little bit, but, hey, it is what it is. All right, Meltzer Jr. You're thinking, you told wait. me, didn't you tell me in so on social media that you – we're kind of uh, taken back by his hair as well. I thought that was kind of one thing we had in common. On no, this. no. Somebody wanted to know why, how he was wrestling in a wig. And my response was, I think it's a weave. Yes. I mean, I was it just wasn't like, a wig. wait a minute. That's a, that's a lot of hair. I mean. Yeah. Oh, it's a weave. They weaved his uh, real hair in with, uh, with a wig. Uh, by the way, just for those keeping score, it's 8.40 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time and Ember Moon and Bad, uh, No Way Jose have uh, debuted on the Raw after WrestleMania, which is always fun. And I'm sorry to say, but Braun Strowman and Nicholas have had to relinquish the uh, Raw tag team titles. We'll talk about that match. I, I, you think out of a seven-hour show with all kinds of crazy angles and matches and spots and all that, the one thing that everybody's freaking out about is the little kid standing on the outside of the ring. But we'll get to that. Uh, soon because I didn't have any problem with it, but I know some people did. Uh, I want to know again why Howard Finkel wasn't introing the Hall of Fame members. That's uh, I'm going to say that every year. I'm going to put that on social media every year. Uh, give him his two minutes of uh, glory and and respect, and let him come out and introduce the new members of the Hall of Fame. I don't understand what the problem is, and uh, it pisses me off. Okay, Daniel Bryan, Shane McMahon against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Great ovation for Daniel Bryant. Again, this is where the SmackDown announcers really shined. Great job of selling the Shane McMahon injury, uh, whatever problems he's having with his uh, intestines and all that. Uh, it almost made it almost it almost made it uncom it almost made it uncomfortable to watch at some points. Uh, and they were selling so well. So props to that. Um, great save by Daniel Bryan. Uh, that was a great spot. Nobody saw coming. It was. It was um, fun to see Daniel Bryan, but uh, he was being extremely careful uh, that he not hit his head on anything. Uh, all the different spots that they had, uh, the kick spots and the, the powerbomb spots and stuff, he, uh, his head never got near the ring. So they're going to be watching that backstage, and he knows it. So uh, one time his head goes and hits that mat and goes back up, he's going to be in the doctor's office. So And, and I think he knows that. But it was a nice feel-good moment. Uh, and, um, uh, just wondering what, uh, will become of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, probably the superstar shakeup, uh, next, next week will, uh, will spell their future thoughts on that match. Yeah. Um, first of all, I love watching Shane perform. Sh 
Shane is one of those guys who I think is really underrated as far as being a performer because he will take, he will put his body on the line and, and he is, he's freakishly athletic. I mean, for, for being a guy who's just a regular guy, I mean, just being a, what, a 48 year old dad. Um, I think he is really good in this match. I thought it was really cool to see Daniel Bryant back. I think you saw the emotion come over Daniel when he came down the ring and everybody was yes chanting. And I think the moment was, was really cool for him because that had been what two, two almost two and a half years in the making. Um, I think there was no other way that you could go with this match other than putting them over, uh, giving Daniel a big push, but they were selling their butts off. I mean, talking about, I, the umbilical cord hernia. I remember that phrase came up multiple times and, uh, and diverticulitis as far as Shane McMahon. Well, a lot of that's a shoot, which is why it, why the announcers did such a good job of selling it and why the, uh, why it be- almost became a little bit uncomfortable at, at, at some points when, uh, uh, when he was, uh, trying to, uh, fight those two guys alone and they kept, uh, doing things in his stomach and, uh, he really, I mean, I don't know how bad he was, but he was not in the best of shape as far as uh, health-wise. So uh, he is two weeks out of the hospital. So there was something going on. Do you think it was a smart idea for him to get in the ring? I mean... No, absolutely not. But that's just, you know, that's the way he's been raised and uh, you got to give him props. So I don't know how much of that was a, was part of the storyline and how much of that was a, was a shoot, but there was parts of it that was a shoot because the guy spent a week in the hospital. So... Uh, and less than two weeks ago. So how many stars did you give that match? Gave it two and a half. Two and a half. Uh, this is my notes for Nia Jackson, Alexa. Bliss. Show okay. two, I'm going to read you verbatim. Show Got too it. long. Time for a cocktail. <laughs> and then, then the craziest thing happened. Every okay. time the announcer said, Alexa, my quote-unquote Alexa was talking back. <laughs> it was an ongoing comedy of errors to the point where Alexa finally disconnected itself from the internet but still kept on talking every time that Alexa was called and said, I'm not connected to the internet anymore. And some, you want to know something else? As of when we started recording this, my poor wife was still trying to get Alexa back online. They, <laughs> That's they, awesome. they, they destroyed my Alexa by saying Alexa. And it was funny. Wow. It was only when they said Alexa. When they said Alexa Bliss, she didn't say anything. But this was a, com- this was a comedy of errors. Thank God I had poured a drink. Um, so I really <laughs> didn't get a chance to watch the match. I know that, that, uh, that uh, Alexa Bliss took a big Samoan drop off the second rope. Uh, and uh, I don't know uh, anything else to say other than uh, I will now be fast forwarding through every play by play Alexa Bliss match because I don't want my Alexa to uh, to ha- suffer another another nervous breakdown. That is so funny that you say that because we've actually heard of people, and when I say we uh, pronouns, uh, my wife and I have heard people during the um, uh, Hello Google commercial, if anyone has one of those devices, that it was actually interacting with the TV at the same time as well. So I think that's pretty awesome. But it, just the way you set that up, that, well, but, that's... Uh, it, it's, it, I, it's, it's responded like, you know, before where, you know, they, here's like Alexa, 
you know, like a, not Alexa Bliss and wrestling, but, you know, Alexa or Alex or something. And it's responded before, you know, you kind of laugh and say, oh, to technology. But this was like an ongoing rib. They're driving Alexa crazy. <laughs> Alexa, 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 what, 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 what? And they took her, she took herself online. I think my wife's still trying to figure out how to get her back online. Um, so, uh, but that's uh, uh, WrestleMania meeting technology and... Um, it is what it is. Real quickly, because nobody cares. How many stars was that match? Um, I'll give it two stars. You're, you're, you're. It, it was just too late in the show, guys. And and that's exactly what I put in my notes for AJ Nakamura. Too late in the show. Um, cool entrance. Well, l- l- hold on. L- let me throw this this at you here. Do you think, in some way, you know, with the Finn Balor situation, which was really kind of cool, you know, it, you know, to use that as a platform to kind of get a message across, which is really great about acceptance and whatnot. Do you feel like in some way WWE was kind of weaving into this particular storyline, the whole aspect of, of shaming and body image and all that kind of stuff? And maybe it was kind of a neat thing to see, um, to see the way that the match ended with Nia Jax winning, or do you think that that's no, just the answer is absolutely it was, they were telling a story. It was a uh, story that is, you know, uh, relevant in our society today with body shaming and bullying and mean girls and, and that kind of thing. And, and, and they were telling the story where, uh, you know, the mean girl lost and the, and, 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 and the, the over, maybe overweight or uh, uh, bigger, uh, person uh was able to get you know uh uh you know win over at the end. They're absolutely telling a story. Look, they're telling you know wrestling's always been somewhat about telling relevant stories uh in society. Whether it was the Iron Sheik and you know when when we were invading Iraq or you know uh or even going back to the days of World War II and the Von Steigers and it's always had a a bit of uh realism. Uh, to the, and 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 I like that they're telling those kind of stories. My problem was that I couldn't concentrate on any of that because my Alexa machine was going was 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 having a nervous breakdown. But yeah, no, no, you're right. It was it was it was a nice story to tell. Um, I like that they're telling stories to uh, you know now that they have women wrestlers, uh, and women wrestling is not not that they have them, but now that they're featuring them more. Um, they're starting to incorporate those kind of storylines, and you, you got to stay relevant. That was a relevant storyline. So, yes. So, so good for them on that. I just wish it did uh, break down my uh, electronics. So, I was always worried about AJ Nakamura, and I'm going to okay. tell you, I'm going to tell you why. Because the fifteen thousand people in the Smoothie King Center tonight are big time AJ Nakamura fans. The 15,000 people or 18,000 people that the that were at the Royal Rumble are big time hardcore AJ Nakamura fans. When you put 75 to 80,000 people in a huge building like that and put on a match with guys that hardcores love but that regular fans may not have as much attachment to, especially Nakamura, uh 6 hours into a 7-hour show, I worry. I worried about it, and it wasn't horrible. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna impress everybody out there. I think with 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 how much wrestling I've been watching. It reminds me of the Hangman Page Jay White match that they had at New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, at Long Beach a couple of weeks ago, 
it was it was after uh it was too too late in a stack show uh good match but uh you know when you have that many uh uh important matches and then you put on a match you know the same thing was hangman page and jay white for the uh new japan uh united states championship north american championship whatever they call it um but it, it built it built pretty good, I thought. They could have used another five to seven minutes of uh, false finishes, and it might have uh, kind of brought it up there uh, a notch. But um, I love the heel turn. I was actually, when he was handing the belt to AJ Styles on his knees, I'm actually getting ready to write, does anybody else want him to attack AJ? And I popped when he did. Uh, Nakamura needed some spunk. Um Unless you get his character, it's hard to get his character, and I think his character will be better as a heel. And I uh, look forward to now the next time they have this match in front of the fifteen thousand hardcores at the next pay per view. I think it'll be a much better match than the match that you saw uh, last night. All that said, it wasn't a bad match. Uh, it just was. It's hard to build up a dream match. You put so much pressure on guys, and 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 again, you know. You you you, uh, you have so many fans there that you know the the law of averages is that fifty percent of them aren't really going to be huge Nakamura fans or AJ Styles fans. Well, I mean, it's kind of like when you when you get a lot of people to go to a baseball game, such as like opening day, for example. How many people are legitimately there to watch the game, and how many people are there for the festivities, to drink and in the beads and in the fun and the atmosphere? So I agree with you 100%. When you get that many people, you're really watering down how many really hardcore wrestling fans you have. Now, with that being said, I didn't have a problem with the match. I'm really glad AJ went over. Um, The heel turn would have made, in least my eyes, more sense if it was AJ that was turning heel. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, man, if AJ, you know, kicks this guy when he's down on his knees or shoves his face out of the way, AJ has the way, because we've seen this in Impact Wrestling, he can really cut good promos. And he could have said, you know, I don't know who you think you are, you know, coming into the WWE or what you've done elsewhere, but you got this dance and the violin and all this stuff. But I'm AJ Styles, and I think AJ really could have played the heel, the bully really well to compliment Nakamura's baby face. Now you have Nakamura as the heel. And as he was walking back up the ramp, do you feel like he can really get heat on himself? I mean, well, I, the, 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 nobody's really a heel and nobody's really a baby face anymore. I think we've seen that all, uh, you know, everybody's sort of in between and, and, but I think this gives another layer of Nakamura's character and needed some spunk. He has a very unique character. He can't really cut a good promo, and that's not his fault to get that character over. The only thing that really uh, that really stood out as far as 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 his his character now, other than the fact that he's a hell of a wrestler, uh, was the the cool entrance. I still think people will pop for the entrance. Uh, there's nothing they could do that that'll stop him from popping for that entrance and singing it. No, they're probably singing it now on Raw. But um, but 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 he needed something extra. He needed some spunk. He needed a little bit of attitude. You know, the Michael Jackson kind of uh, character. Uh, just uh, to me, uh, while I saw, I understood why a lot of people liked it. I understood why it might not have connected with some people. 
And I'm really hoping and thinking that the heel turn will give him uh, that, that bit of connection that he needs to really get to the next level. It, as WWE is, is going more international now that we see they're going to do a pay-per-view in the, in the Middle East, do you think they would ever venture over to Japan and, and, and do a show there? They do shows in Japan. Well, no, I mean a, a pay-per-view over uh, in Japan. Pay-per-views. Like, to go ahead and, and do the Tokyo Dome. Pay-per-views or, are always tricky because, uh, you know, the time change and the time difference. Uh, when your main, you know, uh, when your main uh, group of audiences, uh, Canada and the United States, to a lesser extent, Europe and Great Britain, but that's almost only six hours behind. Um, I... Uh, you know, with the WWE Network, it's interesting. You know, I know they were giving away WrestleMania free for new subscribers. Uh, I, I heard today that there are over 2 million uh, subscribers. We'll see how many of those stick around after they got their free mania. But uh, obviously, they've been doing this a few years now, and uh, the rate of people sticking around must be worth them giving it away for free because they keep doing it. So they right. don't keep doing it if it's not successful. So, um, uh I, I know that there was a, uh, I think, a, a super show that they showed uh, live on WWE Network and then repeated. I think uh, Jericho was there about a year ago, maybe. Jericho was there. I think it was Nakamura, maybe, against Jericho in one of the matches. Uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, they're, they're, they're an international company for sure. And, um, and uh, you know, look, in the Women's Battle Royal, they had a uh, uh, character from MX, NXT that's a... Uh, uh, character from the United Emirates, a, a woman. I didn't catch her name, but uh, you know they they have uh, uh, characters from China now trying to break into that market. So uh, uh, definitely, a, they are uh, an international product. But uh, I love the heel turn, so I'm going to overrule you. I was right; you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, so then the match that has all the controversy. Yes. The bar against Braun and Nicholas. Yes. Uh, first of all, pop for the Marty Day characters all running when Braun came out. I thought that was uh, <laughs> thought that was uh, funny. I, I got a kick out of that. I was a couple drinks in, so it was made it even funnier. Um, uh, Nicholas, of course, uh, the, the the story, guys, and and I'm still having people on social media trying to tell me why this is worse than David Arquette, and. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you the main reason why it's why why it wasn't worse than David Arquette is because that night David Arquette bought the bar and I'm pretty sure that Nicholas didn't buy the bar. So so that that right there answers the whole question. Uh, but uh, if you're looking, look, the whole storyline was he wanted to go it alone. They said he needed to find a partner, so he was going to shove it up their rear and go find a little kid out in the audience and and let him have his moment of glory. Now. The one time I did pop is when he tagged Nicholas in. When he tagged him. <laughs> and the, yes. react, the reaction by the announcers was hilarious. Uh, they were like, the, the, all the three announcers were like horrified. Uh, I had no problem with this. Uh, it was different. Uh, it, it put a, uh, you know, the, the two world title matches, it gave it a little bit of like comedy. Uh, people say that it was unfair to, uh, to the bar. Uh, look, you know, they are what they are. Uh, you know, Cesaro, I think, has uh, talent enough to be a singles, but obviously uh, he's in a spot right now, and this is the spot he's in. And 
It's not like Nicholas beat him. If Nicholas would have beat him, I, I could. I, no, seriously, I could understand if Nicholas would have gotten the one, two, three. People rolling their eyes. By the way, that experiment is over because, as I mentioned earlier, Nicholas uh, had some uh, pre. Uh, yeah, he he had, he had to be in fourth grade basically. So he, uh, he <laughs> in prior commitments, yeah, prior commitments, and they had to uh, relinquish the tag team title as we speak. And so, it um, all all's well that ends well, guys. I seriously. Uh, Half of my half of my day on social media through between working stuff, I'm 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 going back and forth with people on Facebook, uh, uh, trying to explain why this is not worse than David Arquette winning the world title. And I wasn't all that offended with David Arquette winning the world title. There was a lot to be offended by back then in WCW, but that's a whole other story. Um, yeah, I had no problem with it, not to get off topic here, but with David Arquette, I, I thought that was cool. It, it brought mainstream entertainment involved. I mean, you guys had also worked with James Brown. I mean, I was like, what? I don't really see a big issue, but a lot of people were like, oh, it's desecrating the championship, you know, the lineage of the belt, and everybody was having a boo-boo fit over it. And I'm like, it's entertainment. And that, well, that's they, all this they is. did give him the world title. I mean, it was the same title that Ric Flair had. And I, I, I do get it. I think where he got where I think where he turned me around is when he bought me about 12 drinks that night. Uh, he won you over. The, the, yeah. The, and he's a really nice guy, actually. Really super guy. Uh, hung out with him in L.A. a couple times when I was out there doing the crowd for uh, Ready to Rumble. So really super guy. Love to get him on this podcast. So, David, if you're listening, hit me up and we'll talk some WCW. But I had no problem with Nicholas, but it set, uh, it set social media ablaze. You just never know what people are going to flip about, and uh, it was Nicholas. But fear not, folks. He is not tag team champion anymore. He gets to retire undefeated, and uh, as I saw on social media, his uh, booking fee is higher than most guys on the indie scene right now. So uh, good for Nicholas, who, by the way, for those who don't know, was referee John Cone's son. So it was not some random kid. It was not a make-a-wish thing. It was a referee son, and uh, uh, so everything was 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 done professionally. Uh, the main event. Uh, I basically hold on, hold, hold on, wait a second. What did you give that match? You you liked it, obviously. So if you I didn't, were to I, did, I didn't do I didn't do stars. I thought as wrestling as con wrestling content went, it was about six moves. So you know what are you going to give six moves as entertainment value went as a bridge. Between AJ Nakamura and the main event, I thought it was uh, entertainment value. I'll give it three and three quarters stars. Wrestling value, I'll give it one star. Okay, that's fair. Okay, I gave it, ne I gave it negative five, but we'll move. Negative on. five? Yeah. So you were offended by Nicholas? I. You were getting look. ready to come on here and 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 crap on that whole thing until I explained to you why I thought it was it wasn't a big deal, weren't you? Oh, I would still crap on it now. I mean, it, it does make sense what you said, but here's the whole thing I'm thinking. Like, maybe they're going to bring somebody out. Like, you know. You were cause disappointed because it was a Rey Mysterio, admit it. Yes. Well, but nobody ever said it was going to be Rey Mysterio. God darn it. I was like pumped. I was like, oh, it's a partner. We're not going to say anything. I'm like, this is going to be exciting. It's going to be one of the guys I want. Could it be Rey? And then I find out, you know, it's a kid wearing footy pajamas. And I'm like, okay. I'm I'm done. I'm going to go get a sandwich. So uh, speaking of sandwiches, the main event was up uh, and um, I just wrote WTF question mark in all caps. Um, I don't understand why you 
if you're going to push the guy down our throat, down the fan's throat, and they hated it, and there was, I mean, it was obvious that they hated every Monday they hated it, uh, on the internet they hated it, uh, in the chat rooms they hated it, on, uh, you know, on WWE.com they hated it, everybody hated it, but they, they decided they were going to push this match to give the belt to Roman Reigns, and then they don't. I don't get it. Um, gosh, I mean, the only thing I can think of here is, is a big swerve. Um, uh, or maybe, maybe at the end of the day, somebody got in Vince's ear at the 12th hour and said, dude, this is not going to work. The problem is, is nobody cared. If you heard they turn, if you could tell they turned the sound way down, uh, oh, sure. people were chanting, this is awful. People had beach balls that they were playing with. It was, uh, nobody cared. And they, they made sure to tell people to tell the be- people in the back, the powers that be. That nobody that they didn't care. So why book this match? Why not book Braun Strowman against uh, against Roman and put Braun over? That would have gotten a huge pop. Could have been a change into the guard. Uh, I, I just don't. If you're if you're gonna take it this far, uh, then you got to pull the trigger at some point. And every time they seem that they're gonna pull the trigger, they 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 have buyer's remorse. And I almost feel bad for Roman. I will tell you that the blood. Was uh was an, an excellent visual, I'm sure. With all the staples and stitches he has, he's probably in a lot of pain. But it was an excellent visual. I do know that uh that there was obviously some uh some heat in the back uh over the 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 blood, and it was uh, look it was obvious that Lesnar was was trying to open him up with his with his uh, elbows. So whether he went into business for himself, uh. Or whether that was planned and Vince just got hot because it was too much, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, you, time will tell, and uh, uh, I'm sure the news will come out to a certain extent. But uh, I, I thought if he was going to win, the blood—if Roman was going to finally go over—the blood was an awesome vi- uh, visual to stand up, bloodied and battered, finally yes. beating Brock Lesnar. They had the perfect yes. opportunity to do something. I didn't they get did. it. I didn't get it. I don't get it. I feel bad for him. Uh, how many stars? Uh, oh, God. You really. Okay. Hold on. Before I give you what my rating is, I'm going to feel like I need to defend this first. So, the first thing I want to say is I have no problem with Brock Lesnar being the champion. I have no problem with a part timer being the guy, which, you know, on social media and a lot of fans have a big deal with that. They have a big problem with that. And I don't know why. Um, I thought that he was probably more dominant in this match than I had ever seen before. So once again, if they really were going to put Roman over, why would they have him get thrashed the way he did? I mean, Roman basically had maybe 30, 45 seconds of offense the whole match, and he just got throttled. Um, That's not the way you put somebody over. But once again, at the end, if they were trying to build it for this big comeback, you got the blood, he's opened up, very Stone Cold-esque. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't like Roman. I I don't really feel like he's what's best for the product. So I was happy that Brock won. I was a little shocked because his contract was supposed to expire at like 1159. So I'm thinking, well, this guy's going to drop the belt. Um, as far as the match was concerned, it was just a throttling. It really wasn't even a match. It was a Brock Lesnar match. Yeah, it was just, it was just literally him bouncing on his feet back and forth and just destroying somebody. And I'm like, man, this is not even entertaining to watch. 
And I think that's where you get a lot of the this is boring chant because that's what it was. It was Braun, you know, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. It should it could have even been John Cena and Brock Lesnar. It was the same thing. It was just one big throttling. So I think that's where they thought it was boring. I loved it because I'm not a big Roman Reigns guy. Yeah. Uh, look, they could have put on a five star classic and uh, fans would have crapped all over it. So it's not it's, it wasn't so much the match that the people didn't want. They didn't want it. Not so much the match that they didn't like. It's the match they didn't want. Uh, so. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I would say overall, I would give WrestleMania a thumbs up. But uh, the last hour was uh, I, I would recommend for sure that uh, that that they try to cut down. I, I understand you want to get everybody on the show. Um, now you got two tag team uh, t- titles. You got two women's titles. And, and, and it's just, in my opinion, it's just too much. Uh, I, I really think they need to cut it back. And um and that would be my suggestion. And uh, other than that, uh, we will see. Did you have a star, a number of stars for uh, Ro- uh, Brock and Roman? Oh, and, and I was incredibly biased on this because I love the throttling. So I think on social media, and I don't have my Twitter pulled up right here, I think I might have given it, and you're going to bust me on this one. I think I gave it like four and a half just because I was highly entertained. Four and it. a half stars after all that? I, I loved right. it. All right, you're fired. I loved it. I loved every second of it. I loved him opening him up. And, you know, interestingly enough, you had touched upon this about a minute ago that it had broke this afternoon that there was a, a big melee or a big argument between Brock and Vince backstage. And there's a lot of different outlets reporting on it. And they never really mentioned what the beef was. But allegedly, and this is third person, you know, Brock threw the the title, the universal title, and uh, and just walked out after he came backstage. That was it. But I guess cooler heads prevailed because he re-signed a new contract today. So it's the pro wrestling business, and uh, people get upset, and then they uh, get over it because at the end of the day, multi million dollar contracts trump uh, little personal animosities. But uh, had you ever seen anything like that before in your experience? You know, maybe after a main event or something like that, people just, just really just letting it loose and, what, and people you know, arguing in the back. Not just arguing, but like, geez, oh god, this this is this is a little bit more than just a heated argument. No, no, that happens way more than you think. Really, the, the heated battle happens way more than you think. I'm not saying it's a nightly occurrence, but it happens way more than you think, especially uh, when you got you know uh, a lot of egos and a lot of. A lot of uh, big names involved, so now that didn't didn't surprise me at all. Out of everything that surprised me, uh, that was about the least of of the news that came out of the show that surprised me. Uh, hey, I got breaking news right now. Breaking news: I wanted to let everybody know that I am in negotiation with his manager to interview next week on this podcast, Nicholas. So I am in negotiation. I cannot I cannot confirm the interview, but oh, I can God. tell you that we're in the bidding with. Two other podcasts, and right now I, my offer—I've uh, been told by just a little birdie—my offer is the highest. So we're hoping to have Nicholas on this podcast uh, after his four, he gets out of fourth grade. Uh, we're going to have him on hopefully next week on this podcast. So tune in, and uh, hopefully we'll have Nicholas and uh, get his story. Mike, thank you very much, folks. I hope you enjoyed this—a little something different. We do it after the four big pay per views, and uh, let us know what you think at David Penzer. At Penzer Ringside, at Mike Freeland, 
Uh, and uh, really curious to hear what you think. Uh, just our little two cents. And now I'm going to go uh, see if my wife has fixed Alexa and uh, gotten her back <laughs> on track. So, uh, hey, until next time, Mike Freeland, thank you. I'm David Penzer. And we are City Ringside next week with a guest, hopefully, Nicholas. Good night. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. I'm Jerry Petuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist, so thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out radioinfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>